this morning, I just want to share a word that God has placed in my heart. And I'm so excited about the word. Because as I was preparing myself before the Lord, the message that God gave me, initially it was thinking, I was thinking it was going to be in line with something that is like you have come into a promised land. How are you going to stay in the promised land? We have come to Elwood. How are we going to do that? But God had a different plan. As I was waiting upon him, God put a word in my heart. And God said, if you're going to have a genuine concern and a burden for souls, that is how this place is going to be filled up. That is how you're going to make impact. The building itself will not bring people here. But it is our burden for souls to be one for Jesus. It's our genuine concern for the welfare of the community. And if we are able to catch the heart of God, God says, I will fill this place. So I'm going to share a word in line with that. And this morning, once again, I want to salute a great man of God, Pastor Brian. Good to see you. Go ahead. Let's put our hands together for Pastor Brian. Amen. God bless you so much, sir. It's so exciting to always see you. So the word God has placed in my heart, the title is Genuine Concern. Genuine Concern. And I'm reading from Timothy 2, 19 to um, 21. Timothy 2. If you have your word, come with me. NIV, I'll be reading Philippians. I'm going to, sorry, Philippians 2, 19 to 21. Philippians 2, 19 to 21. Now, hear the word of God. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray as I share your word, may your people not hear a man of God, but may they hear the God of the man. In Jesus' name, amen. I was talking to somebody during the week, a colleague of mine, and she was sharing a story with me, very, very, um, very serious story about her life. And I was trying to encourage her to come to church. She says, I don't want to go to church. I says, why? Because church people are not genuine. I said, why? Because my father was all over the church. Every day in church, he used to take us to church. But whilst we were in church, he murdered my mom at home. I don't want to go to church. I was talking to a friend of mine, and this friend of mine was in Ghana, West Africa, and she said that, you know what, I'm in trouble. I've got a son, and I, I, you know, I, I don't have a husband, but I'm trying to look for employment so I can help my son. But every time that I, I try to get employment, they try to take advantage of me. The only way they'll give me the job so that I can sleep with them. And she said, why can't people be genuine? Why can't people show concern without anything attached to it? I was talking to another friend of mine. She said that we've been married for all these years. And then I found out my, my husband has got another child. 
somewhere else. All men are the same. Why can't people be genuine? And all of a sudden, I kept hearing the word genuine, genuine. And as I began to look around and begin to look at what is going on in our world, if there is one thing that people are looking for, is this thing called genuineness. People are looking for genuine friends. People are looking for genuine family members. People are looking for genuine Christians. People are looking for people who can be genuine. But in this world, it is very hard to find that. Because remember, there's something called culture. Culture basically means the way we do things. And the world has its culture, the way the world lives. And as you look at this world, you're going to realize that in this world, everybody is looking out for their own interest. It's about me, myself, and I. And if you have a world that everybody is looking out for their own interest, then no, no, no doubt you're going to see abuse. You're going to see neglect. You're going to see people taking advantage of people. You're going to see people who are going to show interest because they got ulterior motive to be able to take advantage of the vulnerable or the situation. So people are tired of friends and tired of families and tired of churches because they say we, we, we need people to be genuine. And as I was looking at the situation, I said, listen, this situation is not going to change. Because if they are looking for something called genuineness in the world, they cannot find that because that is not the worldly culture. So I said, wow, I'm so excited because then the church is rightly positioned for such a time as this. Because if people are looking for this genuineness, it can only be found in Jesus. If they are looking for genuineness, it can only be found in Jesus. So can you imagine a world like that? Can you imagine community that everybody's looking out for their interest? Can you imagine a church if everybody's looking out for their interest? How is it going to be different to the worldly people out there? But one thing that I'm excited is that it doesn't matter what is happening in the world. God's kingdom also has a culture, which is a counterculture. So whatever is happening in the world, in Christendom or in Christ Jesus, is always the opposite. And therefore, we are rightly positioned to show the people, hey, if you are looking for something called genuineness, it's in Jesus. If you are looking for something called genuine friend, it's the Christian brother, it's the Christian sister. If you are looking for something called genuineness, it is the center of this world, the light of this world, it is the salt of this world, and we are it. Christians, the church, we have been positioned for such a time as this. So as we read in Philippians, it's very, very exciting because you are dealing with Paul who is talking to the church in Philippi. And Paul says, I'm going to send two people to the church. He made two, mention of two people. Number one, he made mention of Timothy and another guy called Epaphroditus. But for the sake of the message this morning, where I'm navigating, I want to dwell on Timothy. Paul says, I'm going to send you Timothy. As soon as I get an opportunity, I will send you Timothy. As I navigate this morning, I'm going to share a few thoughts. Why Timothy? Why? Number one, Timothy represents good news. Because Paul says, I'm sending you Timothy so that I can be cheered up when I receive the news about you. He knows that with Timothy, oh, he's going to come with some good news. 
We got two kinds of people in the world. We got people that it doesn't matter what is going on. All the good things can be going on. For whatever reason, they will still find something negative to dwell on. And most of the time, it's, they, don't, they do without even knowing that they are doing that. And if you check those people, you check their background, you check the family they are coming from, they're raising a home in the environment that is so much negativity that though they hate it, they replicate it, they continue to do the same thing. It doesn't matter how all the things that are going on good, for whatever reason, they will always try to find the negative to dwell on. And you've got, the, on the other hand, you've got people that it doesn't matter how bad things are. Because they've been raised with a positive mentality, we've been raised with Christ mentality, they're able to look at good out of the bad. It doesn't matter how bad it is, they will never dwell on the negative. They will always find a reason to dwell on the positive. So, so I mean, Paul said, so, I mean, Timothy is like that person. It doesn't matter all the things going on, the bad things. With Timothy, I'm sending him because Timothy will bring me some good news. Why Timothy? Number two, Timothy is unique. Why is he unique? Paul says, I have no one else like him to send him to you. What makes Timothy different from anyone else? It brings me to the third point, and that is where I'm navigating this morning. My message is genuine concern. He said, Timothy, I have no one else like him, because with Timothy, when he comes, he's going to show genuine concern for your welfare. Paul says, there is no one like Timothy. I want you to take note of the word, genuine concern. In other words, Paul is saying that other people are also may show concern or they may have concern, but the key word is genuine concern. Somebody may show concern but may not be genuine. But he said with Timothy, when he shows concern, it's genuine. How do you know when a concern is genuine? A concern is genuine when it's motivated by the welfare of the one whom you are concerned about. The one whom you are concerned about, if it's motivated by the one whom you are concerned about, it is genuine. If it's not genuine, it's going to be motivated by your selfish interest based on what you're going to get out of it. But Paul said with Timothy, he has a genuine concern because his concern is for your welfare. Now, he says, everyone else is looking out for their own interest. Every one of them is looking out for their own interest. But with Timothy, he has a genuine concern. How is, he, how is his concern genuine? He says, because he's looking out not for himself, but for the welfare of others. This brings me to my first thought about Timothy. He's selfless. A genuine concerned person is selfless. Now, if you look at the worldly culture, it's motivated by selfishness. It's motivated by greed. It's motivated by what I can get. So he said, everyone else is looking out for their own interest. But he says, with Timothy, no, he's not. He's going to look out for the welfare of others. So Timothy is selfless in the way that he's motivated by the kingdom culture of God, which is about genuineness and selflessness. Why Timothy? The fifth point, Timothy is Christ-like. How do I know that? He says that everyone else is looking out for their own interests, but not those in Christ. 
So Timothy is now exhibiting a character or characteristics that demonstrated the clear distinction between those who are in Christ Jesus and those who are in the world. Paul says everybody in the world looks out for their own interests, but Timothy, he doesn't do that. He looks out for the welfare of others. Why? Because those who are in Christ Jesus are the ones who behave like that. He's like Christ-like. So Timothy's character, his lifestyle is clearly somebody who is Christ-like. This now reminds me of our vision as a church. What is our vision as a church? Our vision as a church is very simple. Is to be like Jesus and to help others to become like him. How do we do that? In other words, what is the strategic vision? We realize that you cannot be like Jesus on your own. You need to be spirit-filled. You need to be spirit-empowered. So we say that we are building spirit-empowered individuals. By their lifestyle and character, they become witnesses of Jesus. So to be able to become like Jesus, we want you to be spirit-filled, to be enabled by the Spirit, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, to live a lifestyle that is very, very, very clear that you are Christ-like. When people look at your character, when people look at your behavior, everybody's going to say before you open your mouth, this is a Christian. We have two main purposes of this vision. Number one, it is so that we can bring impact and transformation to the community and the world. Number two, it's so that we can show the world that Jesus is the answer. Why am I sharing this with you? Because if you look at Timothy, remember we want to be like Jesus and to help others to become like him. So if you look at Timothy's lifestyle and you want to copy him or follow him or learn his example, guess what you're going to become? You're going to become like Jesus. So if Timothy is in this church and is exhibiting these characteristics of the person who's selfless, a person who's not looking out for his own interests, a person who is there so that he's concerned about the welfare of others. So if you want to be like Jesus and help others to become like him, then Timothy is becoming like Jesus and he's helping you to become like Jesus. By so doing, as we look at Timothy's lifestyle, we can fulfill our vision because Jesus, he was selfless. We want to bring impact and transformation. Now we are here in this building. We put our logo out there. People, God is going to draw souls. Remember, we are here to be like Jesus and to help others to become like him. The purpose is so that we can bring impact and transformation to this community. So if you come into a community and let's say, for example, everybody is self, I mean, everybody is looking out for their own interest. Everybody is out there looking for their own, I mean, agenda. And all of a sudden they see a people who have come. And people who are different. And they see how we are concerned about their welfare. We are not just interested about, uh, in ourselves. They're going to realize that this is kind of different people. What is happening all of a sudden is that you are able to bring impact. You are bringing transformation. And all of a sudden, by being Jesus, you are now seeing transformation and impact in this community. Number two, we can also show them the second purpose of our vision, that Jesus is the answer. In other words, if they are crying out for genuineness, if people are crying out for genuine friends, they know they cannot find it anywhere, but we can show that and tell them, listen, if you are looking for genuineness, yes, there is genuineness in Jesus. 
If you are looking for a genuine friend, hey, I can be a genuine friend. If you are looking for a genuine brother, I can be one. How come you are able to do it? Because I am in Jesus. All of a sudden they see, wow, then Jesus is the answer. We have a mission, saints. Our mission in this church is very simple. It's raising kingdom sons and daughters who are all about their father's business. How does this connect to the message I'm sharing with you? In this church, every time people come, one of the things they will say about our church is this. How come you have people, they are so genuinely nice? And I tell people it's because we are raising kingdom sons and daughters who are about their father's business. The reason is this. When you come to this church, we don't relate to you as church members. As a pastor, I never relate to anybody as a church member. But I relate to people as family members. Family who are in the kingdom of God. And we are both, I'm a son and you may be a daughter, both sons and daughters. And we are representing our father's kingdom. So when I see you, I'm not seeing you as a church member, but I see you as a family member. And together, we can all be about our father's business. This is very, very critical. Very, very critical. It's a key. Because if you don't do that, then I'm going to relate to you as a church member. And the moment I relate to you as a church member, what's going to happen is this. If you stop coming from to church, if you stop being part of this church, that relationship, what happens to that? And I'm going to give you an example. Very soon, you're going to see a great man playing these drums. And that is Ash sitting at the back there. That's Pastor Brian's son. When Ash came, Ash expressed interest to play drums. And I said, God bless you for coming. Yes, we need a drummer. But first of all, I want you to know that you are not joining a music team. But you are joining a church. Why is that important? Because if I don't let him understand that, then what's going to happen is that all of a sudden I'm interested in his gift being a drummer. So I am not going to relate to him as somebody who can play drums. And of course, I am in need of a drummer. So I am looking at his hand as to what he can offer. I am not showing a genuine concern because all I'm excited is that I've got a drummer. But I tell him, listen, you are joining a church. What does that mean? You are going to be part of God's family. You are a son of the kingdom of God. So I am interested in your welfare. I am interested in your purpose. I am interested for you to become what God has called you to become. Because the church is the church, but the music team belongs to the church. So you have a purpose. You have an assignment. You have a mission on this earth. You are more than being a drummer. The drum is like a department of your life. It's just as the music team is a department of the church. So if I don't see you begin at the drummer, I'm going to only relate to you. Get excited because you can play drums. What am I doing as a pastor? I am showing concern to him because of my selfish interest, because I need a drummer. But I say, now you are joining the church, so let me talk to you about the church. This is what the church is all about, first of all. So as Ash now joins the church and plays drums, my heart as a pastor is how can he become what God has called him to become? 
How can he fulfill purpose? How can he fulfill his mission? And he will see that I am not interested in his gift, but I am interested in his purpose and vision. And guess what happens? He will see a pastor who has a genuine concern for his welfare. And I tell everybody in this church, whether you want to join any department and you want to be part of this family, I tell nobody to relate to anybody because of their gift. Hey, I'm part of the multimedia team. No, the multimedia team is part of the church. So before you talk about multimedia team, you talk about the church. You have to relate to them as sons and daughters who are going to be about their father's business. We have amazing conversation in the car when I was coming with my kids. And I said, son, and I said, daughter, do you guys know why we go to church? It's so exciting to be in church. And I said to them, at 12 years old, Jesus made a particular statement, very profound and powerful. His parents were looking for him. And Jesus said, hey, why are you surprised to find me here? Don't you know that I got to be about my father's business? What Jesus is saying that though I am 12 years old, but I'm not relating and connecting with Jesus based on your relationship with Jesus. Because I said to my kids, it's very easy to come to church because your daddy is taking you to church. Your father is the pastor or your parents are taking you to church. But I want you to have your own personal relationship with Jesus. At 12 years old, Jesus told them the reason why we go to church. He says, hey, parents, it's very easy for kids to say I am in church because I'm relating to the God of my parents. But Jesus didn't say that. He said, now, why are you surprised? I'm 12 years old, but I know him personally. So what is, what's the word he used? My father. My father. My father. So we are here about our father's business. And that is how we're going to show genuine concern. We don't want to relate to anybody here because of what you got to offer. Because if you do that, you're going to take advantage of people. You're going to take advantage of their giftings. You're going to take advantage of the, the things that they have come to bless God with. But that's not God is interested. God is saying that, hey, it's not about what they're going to offer the church. What can the church offer them? Can they be in this church and fulfill destiny? Can they be in this church and fulfill purpose? And that is why you've got so many people these days. They go to church. They've got giftings. They've got amazing creativity and abilities. They see on the pew and they do nothing you ask him he says I've been there I've done that I used to sing I used to do that and all the church cared about me was just because I sing all the kid the church cared about me was because I could do maybe creativity I am tired and I'm burned out we don't want the church like that we want the church that you say hey we are here we are kingdom sons and daughters. We're going to make sure whilst you are here. Yes, you may have giftings. Yes, you may be blessed with creativity. But as a pastor, I'm not interested in that. Beyond that creativity, I want to see you fulfilling purpose. I want to see you fulfilling visions and goals for God has called you to become. So we have a slogan in this church. So we have a slogan in this church. And it's very simple. The slogan is this. We are not using the people to build church, but we are using the church to build people. Jesus is building his church whilst the people serve gladly. That is our slogan. I'll say it again. Church of living water, we are not using the people to build church, but, but we are using the church to build people. It is Jesus who is building his church whilst the people serve gladly. That is why when you come into this church, it's hardly that you're going to force anybody to do anything. Hardly. 
Do you know why? They will look at you and say, why are you surprised that I'm wiping this and I'm cleaning? Why are you surprised that Bruno is hitting on the hammer? Why are you surprised? He's going to tell you, hey, why don't you know that I've got to be about my father's business? This is my father's business. It's normal to me. It is not a burden. The pastor is not forcing me. Why are you here thinking and cleaning all the windows and you are here getting excited and you are here doing what are you doing? Hey, why are you guys surprised? I am doing this because I'm about my father's business. It is normal to me. That is why you show genuine concern. My question is this. If you look at Timothy, where did Timothy learn this from? Timothy learned that from his spiritual father. And if you look at Paul, Philippians, when you look at the chapter 1, Paul made profound statements. One of them was that he says, listen, I'm in chains for Jesus. And with the gospel that we are preaching, some people are preaching it out of selfish motive. Some people are preaching it out of selfish ambition. Others are preaching it based on the will of God. So you have people who can do things out of selfish motive. But Paul said, no, no, no. We, 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 are, we, we have people who are offering themselves and they are preaching and making sure the gospel is going on. Not because of anything but for the welfare of others. But another profound statement Paul made to show that he is selfless and he has a genuine concern for people is this in Philippians 1, 20, 23 to 26. Let's look at Philippians 1, 23 to 26. Let's listen to what he says. So Timothy was learning all these things from Paul. He says, I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Go ahead. But note the word. It is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Go ahead. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in faith. Verse 26. So that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on the account of me. Paul says, why am I in chains? Why am I suffering? I got two options. One is to die and to be with Jesus. It's far better because if I die and go, I don't need to suffer anymore. I don't need to go through this anymore. So which one would I choose? Isn't it better to go and die and go and to become and go than go and become with Jesus? He said, "No, but what am I going to do? I'm going to choose to remain on this earth." Somebody said, "Paul, why would you do that?" He says, "Because of the welfare of others." I have a genuine concern because if I choose to remain in here, though I may be in chains, though I may go through physical torture, but because I am here, I, my brothers and sisters will have progress and they will continue for their joy in the faith in Jesus. What a character Paul had. Where did Paul learn this from? Paul learned it from Jesus. Paul looked at the Philipp church in Philippi, and he said, let me talk to you about Jesus. Remember Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Philippians 2, let's look at Philippians 2, 3 to 8. He learned it from Jesus. Timothy is learning from Paul, and Paul is learning from Jesus. So then Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Listen to what he says. He's talking about Jesus. Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Again, selfish ambition. Or vain conceit but rather in humility value others above yourself 
not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of who? Others. He says, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who is Christ Jesus? Watch his character. Who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in a human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death to the cross. Paul says, look at Jesus. By nature, he's God. But you know what? Jesus had a genuine concern for the welfare of others to the point that he became nothing. To the point that he didn't look at his own interest being a God. But he came, he was so obedient to the point that he died for you and I. Jesus had a genuine concern for the welfare of others. If it was about his own interest, he will remain God. But he came, took on humanity. And Paul says, hey, Timothy, I'm learning from Jesus so you can also learn from me. Where did Jesus learn this from? Just as Timothy was learning from Paul, Jesus was learning from his father, God. God always has a genuine concern for humanity. From Genesis to Revelation, the heart of the Bible is genuine concern for people. How do I know that? When man sinned, God, the Bible said, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God had eternal life in mind from the beginning, and sin didn't change that. He sent Jesus because he has a genuine concern for the welfare of others. So, as I bring my message to an end, why am I sharing this with you? Every time God has a genuine concern, he always sends when Paul had a genuine concern for the church, he sent Timothy. When God has a genuine concern for humanity, what did he do? He sent Jesus. And remember, in the history of Israel, in the Israelites, what happened? They were under bondage. They were under captivity. The Bible said, and God said, in Exodus 3.7, Exodus 3.7, listen to what God said. God always has a genuine concern. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I'm a what? Concerned about their suffering. God is always concerned. And when he does, when he's concerned, he sends. So what does God do? He called Moses. He said, Moses, I am concerned about my people. I'm concerned for their welfare. They are in Egypt. They are the slave masters. I'm concerned. So I am sending you. Like Moses, God brought you and I here. God said he put this church here because he is genuinely concerned for the community of Elwood. He is concerned for the communities around God said, I've seen their misery. Watch what has happened, what the pandemic has done to people. Watch what coronavirus has done to people. Families are crying. Families are depressed. People are oppressed. So many people are discouraged. So many things are happening in our world today. And my question is, do you have a genuine concern? God said, that is why I brought this church here. 
And if you're going to have a genuine concern for this community, that's how you're going to fill this place. Do you have a genuine concern? God says, like Moses, he says, Church of Living Water, you could have been in any place. I could have taken you anywhere, but I've seen the heart cry of the city of Ewood. Like Moses, go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Go and tell the people in the Ewood who are depressed, tell the devil, let my people go. People who are oppressed, tell them that let my people go. Broken relationship, let my people go. My question is that if you're going to go, then you're going to have characteristics of the people that God sends anytime he's concerned. What is the characteristics of those people? They are always selfless. Timothy, genuine concern for others. Moses, concern. How do I know? Moses has a selfless attitude. Let's look at Hebrews 11, 24. As a rapper, listen to what the Bible says about Moses. Hebrews eleven twenty four. Listen to what the Bible says about Moses. He says, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Verse 25. He chose a decision he made. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Moses, remember he was in the palace? Moses was raised as a son in the house of Pharaoh. But when Moses grew up, he had a genuine concern for the well-being of his people. He says, I've got a choice. I can continue to be in Pharaoh's house and continue to enjoy my food and while my people suffer. He said, no, 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 no. I'd rather get out of this place because of my people. I would deny the pleasures of Pharaoh's house. And I don't care to be a son and a prince in Egypt, but I have a genuine concern for my people. So he went and God used him to save the people. I want to ask you this morning, do you have a genuine concern for people? Maybe you are crying out for your family, my family needs to be saved. Do you have a genuine concern for their soul? Are you selfless? Are you going to go out there and say, Father, please send me out there? If we're going to have a genuine concern, you know what's going to happen? You're going to look at this empty church and pray and say, Father, next week, I want every church to be filled here. I am saved by her, by others. I have a genuine concern. And when people come here, we're not going to treat them and relate to them because of what they can bring to us as a church. But we are excited because what the church is going to offer them. And we can encourage them. In this place, you can fulfill destiny. In this place, you can fulfill purpose to the glorious name of Jesus.